listening to the Dope Post podcast. Adam Doe here. Uh, Corbin Ford, uh, we were just talking about Sports Business Classroom. He is a uh, new alum to the fraternity of, uh, of brothers. I like to think of it as like a, a fraternity in the, the NBA world or the sports world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all, yeah. Yeah, all focused on uh, working in sports. So uh, I, 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 uh, I considered fraternity life in college. But uh, mostly didn't, didn't didn't feel good for me until SBC came. There you go. I see. I had never had that experience or never thought about that. But you're right. Having that, it's something said to have a group of people that you can just talk to whenever. You know, I mean, you were talking during the Lakers run while trying to like schedule the pod or like I'll reach out to Mark Schindler for something or whatever. Just people that you come up and, and people I was connected with that I didn't even attend SBC with, but just by me wanting to like them taking me under their wing. So you mentioned like Khan was big for me. Um, Gary Bouguet went, I think last year, um, Simon Sheridan Gordon, you know, these guys, uh, Scott Levine, who had been with that, or that, you know, had been talking to me about how great it is and, and forming like really good relationships despite never meeting each other on this one kind of event. And now that I've actually went, you know, I'll be in a different year, different circumstances. I feel like, yes, I'm right there. You know, it's kind of crazy, but it's, it's really neat. Yeah. I also, when I think about the future, I'm like, you know, as long as I have a job that pays and I can take care of myself, I'm mm-hmm. set. And then the basketball thing can always come later, mm-hmm. but the SBC network will always be there. Yep. So compared to other people who want to get in the biz, we're, we're probably in, in a, a better spot, better position. Oh, yeah. For sure. I think much the same way in that regard. Cause at first I didn't, I'm like, okay, I need a linear path. Boom, boom, boom. And it really works that way. But especially as, as you know, I've in sports. So just that, you know, making a living for myself, pursuing that dream. And if that dream can match up with that means of living, you know, at some juncture, whether it's two years from now, whatever years from now, then boom, you know, I'm a happy camper. But like you said, those, those connections I experienced won't go away. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Like I still randomly remember having um, like a playback of a conversation that I had with my team. We were trying to, we were the Orlando magic and we were trying to negotiate for, you know, a free agent. I was so, so high on just, let Evan Fournier go. We don't need him. Like he's like, it was reactionary for my own thinking. And everyone's like, well, the money wise, we can't hope to replace. I'm like 12, two and three. Like, like, what are we getting? I was very like against Fournier. And so the real basketball aspect and talking about the numbers and everything was, was relayed. And we had those, you know, positive conversations, but I was randomly thinking about this like two days ago. I was like, remember when I was trying to just let Evan Fournier go for nothing? Like just funny experience like that or what stick with me. Oh yeah, you do that a lot. Like before <laughs> pandemic, when uh-huh. I would be driving around uh, Irvine, my my college, to, or even just like waking up or random moments in the day, I'd have a random memory pop in. That happens. That happens. <laughs> so fun, but yeah, that was like I'm determined. I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that there is one next year, like a physical one, because like I'm like I got I owe it to myself to try again. Like I'm gonna go again. Like I, it's early to say that, but like that part, that passion is still maintained so i'm happy about that like you know i've seen a lot of people like people want to go and you're around it again and i just feel that energy like drawing you know yeah so, um mm-hmm. speaking of that though west wilcox mm-hmm. who everybody loves got a got a job with the king so but unfortunately that means he won't be able to teach anymore yeah uh, you know <laughs> i'm curious to see if they'll try to like replace his uh his class with like another another person Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I'm thinking Daryl Morey, maybe, maybe. Whoa, that'll be sick. You're right. Available GM, Todd. Yeah, 
that would be your yeah he so he he uh i know for a fact that before my year he was a, a guest mm-hmm. but since he was a gm he couldn't he can't talk as freely as like west could you know uh-huh. so i don't know if, if larry larry if you're listening uh daryl moore <laughs> would be a great idea yeah that's that that would be wow that yeah that'd be awesome especially someone who pioneered a lot of the analytical thinking from yeah that'd be that'd be crazy yeah very in the cards daryl uh uh corbin if you're thinking about going daryl mori mm-hmm. as a teacher very yeah. very in the cards uh, okay um, see that's a, that's that's a push <laughs> yeah so on top of sbc this summer of course our los angeles lakers yes are champions <laughs> Corbin oh, it's been six years for me watching mm. I started watching 2014 mm. six years of straight losing last year was like last year was like middle of the pack winning yeah who knows how, who knows where that could have led mm-hmm. um I, I I was so happy even even if I had to watch in in my house away from other people mm-hmm. i was still really happy about it all i'm right there with you it was so it, such an odd time to have it because you're right like i was pumped it's been i mean i've been watching i think i just i started watching i was 10 so just after um shack left like that no just the year after shack left so 2006 when it was uh kobe kwame brown smush parker brian cook those guys I was with them, boom. And then, you know, we had that that brief, um, you know, 2000, I want to say 2008, 2011, where Lakers were contenders, and then one in 2009, 2010. And then that whole span of time where, like, you know, we've seen all the Robert Sacre videos on Twitter, but we've also seen, you know, I remember talking myself to Wesley Johnson, uh, Jordan Clarkson, who still ended up pretty serviceable, Nick Young, all these guys. And I was like, okay, they're going to be a part of the next great Lakers team, despite no evidence of that. But then also in free agency going from, you know, LeBron to Carmelo to DeMar DeRozan to Greg Monroe, it's all the experience. So, so to culminate in in this where, like, yes, I am so happy the Lakers finally did it. It has been a very long time and a lot of years of just straight, like, trash basketball. And then on the other hand, realizing that, yeah, like, it was a solitary experience throughout. And, 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 us fans, I know, especially as Lakers, we, we kind of feed off of that collective energy, whether it's going to get a bite out to eat, you know, in a, in a crowded bar and just like taking that in or gathering your favorite friends and Lakers haters, in my opinion, and watching with them. It, it was different to kind of be like, yes, they did it. Felt not only anticlimactic, but not because of any adversity the Lakers had because they had a season full of it, but just because of the circumstances around it with, you know, the, the wait after the pandemic shut the league down, bringing it back all of this you know kind of different circumstances just made it really kind of weird yeah it i i i remember that it was exactly a week ago since we were uh, recording this that the lakers won wow and i remember watching it and i i was thinking like if the world was normal right now and if i was watching it from home as usual would i feel differently or would i feel not feel as good or feel even greater mm-hmm. um who knows but yes, I'm glad true. glad the Lakers could get a win. And speaking of those trash years, by the way, I remember, <laughs> you know how, like, when you start watching basketball, you mm-hmm. have, like, these crazy conspiracy theories to, to you know, get your team to win. And yeah. these come before you, you – these conspiracy theories come before you know better. So 
one of my conspiracy theories is like that year where it was just Kobe and like young people plus Carlos Boozer and Jordan Hill. 2015. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the, uh, the, the standings and I was like, Hmm, what are the chances that the Lakers will win 30 straights to make it back into the playoffs and surprise everybody? Oh my gosh. Like I, at that time, I didn't know that the, you know, winning 33 games in a row is like most likely impossible. Mm-hmm. And I remember all those games that they lost, I would be thinking to myself like, hmm, they're down by 20. So let's, I think they should just try to get seven three-pointers in a row and then we'll, we'll be, we'll be good. <laughs> just to rip them off. I think, yeah, I think my favorite, well, not favorite, but a memory I remember, I was visiting a friend, this is in Indiana. Or was it in LA? No, I think it was in no. Okay, I wasn't. I can't remember the exact. It was a Lakers Pacers game. I just don't remember where it was. But I was visiting a friend. We were watching it, and um, it was I think the day. I think it was Indiana. It was the day after Kobe had announced, or the day of his um, he announced retirement, or that he was going to retire at the end of the season. And then it came I down cried. to a, a, I yeah, cried. I did too. I was in shock. I remember going, "Wait, what?" And, and, this is to say, yeah, it was insane. In fact, the, the day that his passing happened, I was with the exact same friend here. And, you know, we were about to go to the gym and it felt like some weird deja vu. We were just sitting there about to get something to eat and look at my phone like, are you kidding me? Like that same sort of shock. But then that night he had made a, um, you know, Lakers were playing that, that the foul game because they were down like five or something. I don't know. All the memories are blurry on that. All I remember is Kobe getting the ball, top of the key, hitting a three to make it a two-point game. And it was like, all right, here we go. Um, like, Lakers are back. Kobe had a dreadful shooting night, but we're back in this thing. And Paul George was exasperated because Paul George was all up in Kobe's grill. He made the three, didn't matter. Paul George gets fouled, goes to the line, um, makes both free throws. It goes back to Kobe. Same play, same situation. The three is airballed. And I just remember going like, oh, wow, like this is what the year is going to be. And it felt like that. Like you had flashes of Kobe of old, and then you were looking, just searching desperately for development from the young guys. And you had vets like Roy Hibbert and um, I forgot, uh, Herthus. I forgot his first name. Marcel, I forgot his first name. But the Herthus. point guard, okay, Herthus, yep. And other guys that you're like, okay, this team can cobble together something good. And that was how I felt, especially every Christmas. So they had a Christmas game. They lost by like 10 to the Clippers. That I remember really rooting for LA. They had the game where they lost the Heat in 2014 when Nick Young went off in the second half. Like these memories of this bad team that had moments you're like, okay, like this is the Lakers team I know. And they were literally just just flashes for six years. Yeah. There was this one 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 stretch I remember where they won three in a row and Kobe was getting interviewed. And then Kobe's like, hey man, we, we won three in a row. He, and he he was smiling a little bit. Now, now, now that I know more, I realize that Kobe probably wouldn't have smiled that mm-hmm. much if in his prime, if they just won three in a row, that, that would be, would have been expected. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I remember the bar. I, so my first reaction when we won three in a row, I was like, Oh my God, we are going to make the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then reality. <laughs> or remember those years, I think 2017, 2018, when we beat the Warriors and oh. like beat them pretty bad. Like, yeah, it also corresponded with like, 
either two of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, or Kevin Durant having bad shooting nights, but like Brandon Ingram went off and Lonzo Ball went off. And then you had Larry Nance Jr. dunking on Durant's face. And it was like, yes. Like, and in my head, I took that win, which could have been, you know, the Warriors enjoying LA nightlife. And I went, no, that's not what that is at all. That's not the Warriors playing sluggish. That is the Warriors playing a Lakers team at peak potential. <laughs> and I like talked to myself into saying like, no, this is what we could be on a night to night basis. We just need consistency. And like watching those YouTube videos and stuff backwards, I'm like, I was delusional. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Marcelo Huertas, I think on his resume, he was like the MVP in, in whatever league or team he was in. Mm. So when they made the announcement that, that he was coming over, I was like, oh, this is a veteran, veteran president that's going to mm-hmm. take us far. One of the best passes in the EuroLeague, just didn't have a consistent jump shot. Yeah, I just, I felt like, yeah, you're right. He's going to be amazing. I remember talking to myself with that with Carlos Boozer. I was way, too. way too excited for Carlos Boozer. I was like, all right. We got a mid-range guy, a veteran, someone who played on some winning teams. He's going to keep that championship mentality. And it didn't dawn me until midway through the year that Carlos Butcher hadn't won the championship before. So what kind of mentality? No disrespect. We're just making fun of how 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 ignorant we are. We were. Exactly. How overly optimistic we were. Yep. And then actually that brings me to like a weird kind of thing I did with Lakers. So it was like a, like a, I don't want to say like a tradition type thing, but like I play 2K a lot. I play like a basketball it's called basketball gm it's a general manager basketball. i'll do that kind of stuff a lot i have myself one rule i can use any team but the lakers and it's weird because you would think that was like friends you want to but i can't touch them because i feel like it's some type of jinxing happens if i mess with them in a game but it's, it's really weird but i can't do that and like i remember one time playing with the lakers in 2k 14 and like you know kobe's jump shot was always weird in 2k because it gave it like this weird kind of extra look, even though it, the shot looked fluid in real life, but like in the game, it had this weird thing. But between him and Nick Young, I could not master their shooting like routine at all. And I got killed like 117 and 27 online. It was horrific. And I was like, yep, no more. But man, those are, those are some times. Jeez. Ryan Kelly. Remember Ryan Kelly? Yep. I don't want to, but... Uh, <laughs> I used to think he would be decent. I never thought he'd be a star, but I, I compared him to like a Frank Kaminsky, which is ironic being where Frank Kaminsky is now. But like, I was like, you know what? He was a good player in college. He's a Duke guy. You don't get bad Duke guys. You know what I mean? Like, like we'll, we'll get a good Duke guy. And I just didn't know enough about Duke basketball players back then, but like, yo, that was not fun. Here's the, here's the big one. As an Asian guy in LA <laughs> rooting for the Lakers. <laughs> when Jeremy Lin. When Jeremy oh, Lin comes. Oh, wow. I forgot. Lin Sanity. Yes. I know. I thought we were going to get Lin Sanity. I really thought yes. we were going to get him. No. You're right. Yeah. Oh, that was exciting, too. You're right. We now, had him. Now, now that I think about it, it was like the fan that I was back then, I was thinking way too much into storylines and not actual Bask- know, Same. basketball. So, like, with Jeremy Lin, I was like, oh, he, he did Linsanity in 2012 and everybody was freaking out about it. So obviously we're going to get his, our turn with him in uh, 2015, 2016. Yep. And that just did not. And then he went to Charlotte and had like a really good year. And I was so mad. Or Brandon Bass, I thought was a solid guy from Orlando. Um, What's his face? Uh, t- well, I didn't like him at all. No, nothing personal. I just didn't like him. Tariq Black. 
I liked him. I liked him. There, okay. There was one guy, um, Thomas Robinson. That's who it was. For whatever reason, I liked that dude. I thought he was awesome. And you like, know, uh-huh. you know, on Twitter when Salty or or the best of us, I'll I'll, I'll describe I'll, I'll describe these these people as the best of us Lakers okay. fans. They post on Twitter like the the lineups that were happening back then. And yeah. they're like, can you believe we went from these these five guys to like these five guys? Whenever I look at it, mm-hmm. and if those pictures were in the range where I started becoming a Lakers fan, I, I was like, wow, I was still watching games with these these five guys. Like I probably wouldn't be watching now if if those five guys were were in the lineup. Oh yeah, I wouldn't waste my time. Um, even though those people, like it was weird because it was like. So again, I hate to bring back 2K, but you know how when you're you have a you have a, a a bad team or a team that's gonna be bad, but you have enough guys that are like 60, 70 overall, and you're like, you know what, these guys can make a difference with the middle and young guys I have, and like if this all works out, we can catch lightning in a bottle, and that's what I feel the Lakers did with guys like we mentioned, um, Carlos Boozer, guys like um, I'm trying to remember his name now. Um, uh, Jordan Clarkson was on there too. Jordan Clarkson, Chris Kamen. Remember him? I liked Chris Kamen. Like guys that were like, or, or um, Roy Hibbert, like guys who were veterans, but not great. And it's like, oh, it's LA. And yeah, they were just rough years. You're right. But it, it, it's funny because I, I feel bad at certain points because other fan bases have gone through a lot worse. But then in my mind, and this is what people say all the time, Laker fans are spoiled because other fan bases had to do that for, for all these years. Well, well, then your team just normally sucks, and I'm sorry you should be used to this. Don't get mad at us. Like, like if the Minnesota Timberwolves haven't won a championship, they haven't. They haven't been to West Conference Finals more than, what, once? No, I don't think they went. Uh, no, I think they did um, in 2004. Basically, if you're a Minnesota fan, you're mad at the Lakers fans because they've been complaining about the last 10 years. And like, well, look what we've had to endure. Well, that, you should be used to that by now. Like, like let's not, let's, we're not used to that. Like that's different, you know. Yeah, like uh, for like a spurt, I wasn't around during this time. But like between Magic Johnson and Kobe Bryant, where the Lakers were kind of bad, and then you did have a little spurt between Shaq and Paul Gasol, and then you had what we had between you know that Finals winning team in 2010 and the team right now, and it's like. You know, people always bring up uh, for LeBron that, oh, the Mavericks team that LeBron lost to, like they were, you know, they were a good team, but they beat LeBron back. They swept us like like we were out. So, like, I feel like in certain ways, it's just as, as a Lakers fan is weird bringing it back full circle now where it's like, yes, we've the mountaintop has been climbed as fans, but maybe because of the dis- different circumstances, it didn't feel like a, 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 a slow climb back up. You know what I mean? It was we were bad. 17, 18, 19, sort of with LeBron coming back in, but being injured and having the young guys and having Michael Beasley and like, you know, um, Lance Stevenson. And then we trade for AD and then boom, you know, it's a weird deal. Like it doesn't feel any less deserved for fans like us who've been around for a while, but at the same time, I can't pinpoint, okay, we're turning a corner. It was like, okay, LeBron came and now we've jumped from level nine up to level four and now we got to see what happens to get to level one. Yeah. I, I personally signed up for uh, a class on Lakers insensitivity training for, for Lakers fans. Oh, wow. It's, uh, okay. it's, it's meant for, it's meant to, it's meant to make Lakers fans aware of the organizations out there that are still in 
50 year championship droughts. It's oh, helped wow. me. It's helped really? me become a better fan. Yeah. Build that appreciation. I, yeah, because like the six years, I was like, yeah, the six years are pretty bad, but at least we we got out of it like quicker than other teams. Uh, yeah, that just can't seem to do anything right. You're right on that end, and some of it, like you said, was uh, for other teams. This is what feels weird. A lot of it is like substandard ownership, and like yeah, you know, occasionally you'll have a roster just never that good, or you'll have a Portland team that just won't get over the hump, and yeah, you have a couple of good years, but like that that level of where they're going to reach is what it is. But, like, for the Lakers, it was all of it. You know, we had horrible management. Remember, that was the one year I hated what they did. Uh, Timothy Mozgov and Luol Deng. And even now, even now, I don't understand why we gave that money to those people. Like, I get having to spend the money, but Luol Deng and Timothy Mozgov? Why? Basketball narrative Adam back then was in love with that with that deal as it was being reported because I, I didn't know like i didn't understand like how trades work how the salary cap worked whatever i was mm-hmm. just like a super super casual fan so i remember it being reported as mazgov oh he's coming uh coming off a championship i think yeah uh yeah championship calves. championship team with the Cavs and lebron uh luol ding he has all this locker room experience mm-hmm. uh and then we were also getting Luke Walton, who's a former Laker who played with Kobe. And I was so obsessed with the narrative that I thought like we were gonna be, oh, we're gonna be an amazing team because of all of these, all of these key storylines fitting together. The power um, of the storyline, yeah. Yeah. Back oh, then though, man. I think do you think that oh, so I've heard I've actually heard Larry talk about this on a on a show he was on where he was like um that like they were discussing whether Mozgov and Luol Deng were the Lakers first calls that night or like they, were they always the first options that night or were they planning on getting like their second third options and then focusing on their first options I see what you mean I mean they were a heck of a fast second option though if I remember they signed like 1201 like it was talking about how quick they signed so if they were doing calls at like 1159 then they were very – of course, we're all just being – I'm being sarcastic. Obviously, we the, the nature of these calls all interesting in terms of the timeline. But they pivoted really quickly and were, like, dead set on that. Like, hold a minute. Like, Luol Deng had been talked about being run ragged to the ground for years, you know, from when he was in Chicago. Then he was in Cleveland for that second. He was in Miami the last couple of years. So it was weird then. And then Tim Moskov barely saw time in the championship win for the Cavs because they realized they had to go small to match up with the Warriors. You know what I mean? So it was, it was like, okay, the Lakers are going to go, okay, this guy barely played a championship team, but he has a ring. Boom. And this guy is kind of tired and, you know, he's been around, but is he really going to help us get over 23 wins? We don't know. But we're going to grab him. Like it was in, and of course hindsight being 2020 is a great gift now, but like, even then I think we can both agree that we're like, what? Like I, I was not a fan. Like, and I definitely was following the league, maybe not as, tough as i am now or not as consistent i am now but i knew enough then to go no and and now for the contract amount you gave them like like what are we doing but i think some of that went down to ownership remember mitch kupchick you know he'd been around for a while and i feel bad that what from two he was uh gm like starting in 2000 and like from that point up to when he was like you know removed he never won gm of the year or whatever once executive executive of the year meanwhile you know you put together at that point several different title winning champ title winning teams but like his last three or so years 
I don't know. They were not good, you know? They just were not good. Do you think we'll, we'll be getting a book from him someday to explain all about all of that? I would hope so. I don't know. Mitch Jones described me as that kind of guy. I mean, he left from there and went to Charlotte. He kind of just disappeared on us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, it would be cool if he would go the Phil Jackson route and just do like a expose type of personal diary about like his experience and stuff. But even then, that's something, Adam, I, I wish a GM would do. Put out a book that goes into the moves that are being made. You get a lot of player biographies and stuff to talk about the locker room and the team and everything. There was one book I read really that was really good called The Franchise, and it was about um, the making of the 89 Detroit Pistons team, but, like, from a front office perspective. It was really interesting. Um, but, like, if a GM was to go, listen, these are the – I let's say Daryl Moore. I was GM of the Rocks for 13 years. Go into each year. Moves you made. What you were thinking. You know, that sort of thing. How did you – even if you want to phrase it under biography or a life story or whatever, like how'd you keep a team competitive for 13 years without a rebuild, you know, with, with, with a different cast of characters from the time you came and the time you left. Um, or even a book from a guy, I like David Kahn. Oh my gosh. It's like, how are you so bad at your job? Like, you know what I mean? But like from a front office perspective, because bringing it back to sports business classroom, like you, you get a lot from the player's perspective. I think there's a lot of access there. There's a lot of access from coaches, you know, writing their own memoirs and things of that sort. But from a front office perspective, not a whole lot from the actual front office people aside from, you know, NBA TV, uh, sports business classroom. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Yeah. The only, well, the only uh-huh. book, the only book that I, I, I can think of from a former front office person is yeah. Jerry West, but that's, that's Rick and Jerry West. So <laughs> true. So. Yeah, yeah. It, it was so much about it because it had to be because he's Jerry West, like you said, that, yeah, you're not getting the whole, well, we didn't re-sign Michael Cooper in this year because, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But all that he, to say that Mitch Kupchick isn't giving a book, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, wow, Josh Hart. Josh Hart, yeah. Oh, my gosh, man. So, so, so they come. And then um, there was that point in time when I think Lakers fans were pretty split on whether we wanted to give them all away for AD or mm-hmm. keep them. I was on the side of wanting a dynasty like the Warriors. I really wanted that. Now as like a wiser fan, I think that you shouldn't try to be like other teams and like mm-hmm. you really need to consider what's best for your team. Yep. So Originally, like my, I wanted them to keep all the young people and then sign AD once he, he hit free agency. Obviously, that would have been a horrible idea because <laughs> if I was in charge, um, the Lakers wouldn't have won, and uh, AD would be like, I don't know, he'd be a free agent after after this season is officially over. Yep. Who knows if we would get him or not? That's um, true. What side? What side were you were you on at the time? Very complicated, man. So I wanted AD because I wanted Le- LeBron doesn't come. You know, even when he came for that time with those young guys, that wasn't LeBron's MO to go to a young team and build them. He always has bets at all around him all the time. So I knew when he came to LA that, you know, some of those young guys would not be long for that spot. Um, and AD, you know, is the kind of superstar talent that you know, the Lakers would normally have. I mean, not the Lakers, but a team that had LeBron would have. And then, just by nature of getting that big a salary, you'd have to surround him with 
buyout guys and that's on the minimum, things of that sort. So I figured that when LeBron joined Lakers, a LeBron team would be coming. I just didn't know how. Now, that being said, I was very high, still am, on Brandon Ingram. I wanted him to stay around. If I could have traded Kuzma in every pick in the world and keep Brandon Ingram, I would have done that. As far as Kuzma, eh, didn't really care about him. I thought he was okay, but I feel like his ceiling was pretty limited, or I thought that then. And I was like, what he brings that any other decent scorer couldn't bring. I didn't think it was a difference. And then Lonzo Ball. Oh, Josh Hart, same thing. Josh Hart, solid player. I just didn't see, yeah, you trade him. You know what I mean? Lonzo Ball, I didn't, and this is maybe a hot take, maybe not. I didn't want him with the Lakers in the first place. I was not sold on the hype there. All right. I I like this. So, <laughs> uh-huh. again, I was I was so into narratives back then that I guess I guess it helps when you understand how how the contracts work a little more or how the cap works that that you become a more objective in your your uh, your 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 ideas for what the team could do. But yeah, looking back, I think Levar Ball was like one of the greatest PR people ever in the NBA. Oh yeah. Um, that and then he just he just had the he, I, I'm pretty sure he helped create the the narrative that oh Lonzo grew up around the LA area went to high school here went to UCLA, um, Magic Johnson is a point guard that's in charge of the Lakers, everything just fit and it it made sense for the Lakers, yeah. and yeah. I think we all fell for the hype unfortunately, but uh, yeah, yeah, and I then just, we also uh, forgot D'Angelo Russell as well. That's what I didn't – I like, and I still am high on D'Angelo Russell. And also, I really liked Jason Tatum. And I'm sitting there going, you know, we got Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum. Like, why not? But, like, for me, it was simple. I mean, and this is why, personally, Lonzo Ball's jump shot when he first came looked very much like my own playing. And I'm like, my jump shot barely works. Like, it isn't going to work long term. And I'm sitting there going, like, he's a Matt Johnson player, but I didn't see it. I thought was a decent passer, a beautiful passer. But, like, someone who's going to put the whole franchise on his back? No, that wasn't who I saw. It may have more traditional in my thinking that it has to be, like, a high-scoring wing or that's kind of where I'm at. But Jason Tatum just looks so good. Mind you, even now, even then he didn't look half as good as he looks now. But back then I really wanted him. And then if not him, I liked Aaron Fox. And so when we got Lonzo and took him second, I was like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't like Markel Fultz before he even got injured. Um, I thought he was okay, but I just didn't like whatever to me. I was really high on Jason Tatum uh, just in general. And then we got Lonzo to the right, and he played kind of up and down that first year. But then he came back the second year, did more of the same. And at that point, the warts were showing, hey, he doesn't get to the rim much. He doesn't finish when he gets there. He doesn't shoot the free throw well. He shoots the three. It all comes and goes. He's not very – you know, like all the warts came out. So by that point, I was like, listen, you trade him, you give – the Pelicans him you get the Pelicans Kuzma you give the Pelicans Josh Hart but I really liked Brandon Ingram and I thought he he just flourished in a, not as big as he did this past year but I thought he had a night and day difference last season from the two seasons before that that I was like okay this is this is our guy so I don't know and then I liked AD I did I did I think that he was going to be the superstar talent to lead the Lakers to the championship not not in one not like in one fell swoop like this no I thought it could eventually happen but I figured that they need to be a third piece there 
And so, like, going into this season with Kyle Kuzma there, I was not high on that. <laughs> I, I was thinking that Lonzo, Ingram, Hart, they would be our, our, our deep guys, our depth for the, mm-hmm. for the team. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that – I never thought it would be possible to have a deep team um, with, like, just total free agent signings. Obviously, it was proven wrong this year. Um, yeah. Crazy. I really, I thought that that if you if you if they gave up everything for AD, then it would it wouldn't work out. I just didn't never saw in my mind that you could build a team off of free agents as your your, your role players and and win. Um, mm-hmm. or that yeah. a, a buyout guy like that would make such an impact on a team like the Lakers that you said had such veteran pieces already. Right. So, Magic Johnson as a basketball executive. I don't think he's that great. Oh my I don't gosh. think he's that great. I think he traded D'Angelo Russell away because of that incident with Nick Young and starting drama or whatever. Or in Magic's view, like D'Angelo wasn't taking it seriously enough or wasn't like this perfect point guard that he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think that's why he got traded. Obviously, maybe the Mozgov thing was, was more important. But I don't... I, 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 uh... And then I'm still scarred. Not, 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 you know, winning the championship, Corbin, makes things a lot better. But you still have these residual scars. I remember, I think, the welcome, the introductory press conference with Lonzo. Magic mm-hmm. was telling him, like, hey, I'm going to see your jersey up in the rafters someday and make there sure you, you just leave some records for me. Yep. That was that was too cheesy. I think Magic was a great PR person. I think a PR role should have been his spot, not a GM. You're right. When trading... D'Angelo, I was I was mad because that not only did that clear the way for Lonzo, but like I liked Russell. I thought he had his warts, but at that point, what young Laker player didn't? You know, that was on the team then. They all had their 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 hiccups. So I didn't like that. I realized getting rid of Mozgov's contract was essential, but that made me even more mad because they were the ones who made the decision in the first place to take it on. You know, so it's like now you're 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 tripping over yourself to make up for that, but you're getting rid of a point guard who. I mean, let me well. Let me ask you this, Adam. If you had to pick right now between Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell, let's say they have the same contract, who are you picking? They're both flawed players, but like, what are you going with? I'd pick Russell, obviously. Yeah, he can, like he can freaking shoot the ball. <laughs> there you and he go. Can shoot free throws. Yeah. So in my mind, it's like if if you're overly optimistic on Russell, or you think that Russell's clearly better, then boom, that's a simple answer. At worst. I don't think anyone's saying that they're taking Lonzo over Russell. So then it's either Russell better or both players being about the same. In which case, why'd you trade one of them away? You know what I mean? Like at least D'Lo could play off ball. At least there's a potential for that. Lonzo was limited from the beginning. And I just, uh, still a great passer, still a great passer. Had had a a, a much improved uh, second part of the season with New Orleans, but a franchise savior. I mean, I look at Jason Tatum more like that. I look at De'Aaron Fox more like that. Um, I think Lonzo and Markel Fultz, if we were to do like a redraft, would, would would still be lottery players. They still have gifts, but like they'd be at the end of it, you know? Lonzo uh, was just the first. It was, Lonzo was such a confusing time for me because I, the first time that I got to w- witness like a high draft, where the numbers didn't really turn out well at the end of the season, where his shooting percentages, his three-point three shooting percentages, oh, his man. free-throw shooting, his 
I think he he averaged like ten points or even less, and then you know seven rebounds, seven assists, which is great, but not not amazing with the scoring. No. Yeah. It was it was a lot of nothing. You're right. He had some. I think he had one game against the Spurs that was really good, where he hit a couple threes. I think it was second year. He had like one or two games once in a while, but you're right for the most part. Like ten six and six is good for like if that was a six man. Oh my gosh. If that was your third best player, okay, you know, hand in everything. But for someone who's gonna be gonna take over the wheels, like no. And and you're right. Like Lavar was a great PR person for Lonzo, and Magic was a great PR person for the Lakers in 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 shoring up clear deficiencies and propping up minor positive attributes and making them into just amazing game changing things. It's funny that we have that same type of conversation now with Lamelo coming in, but moving on, it's the same type of. Lakers fans was like, yes, this is our guy. Let's go. And it was like, what? Yeah. Ingram was really good before his blood clots happened, and he was like out for the whole season, the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. What do you no, think? I, mm-hmm. Do you think the KD, the KD thing is going to become real? Like, oh, Ingram's going to be just like KD, has the same, has the same body frame. He's going to turn out like KD. Mm-mm, I don't. But, like, I think that's cool. Like, at first I did. Then when he came out, like, 15 points a game. Like, Durant, if I remember correctly, was setting the league on fire as soon as he came in. Like, the dude was a flamethrower from the jump. He averaged 30 points in, like, his third season. Like, he was a monster. And, and Brandon Ingram became one this year. But I think he's just going to settle. And, and mind you, I, I'm saying that he's not going to be Kevin Durant while also saying that, like, I wouldn't care. I still like him on the team. You know what I mean? He was a really good player that had some real gifts. Um... I think he definitely filled the basket. He was, you know, doing a lot more rebound, a lot more distributing of the ball. Uh, I don't think he'll be a Kevin Durant Jr. I think he'll have, he'll have moments. He's still very young, um, but I think this shows just how they've already kind of diverged a little bit, kind of growing, that B.I. will make himself his own player, and that player is still very good. Of course, similarities will be there, but I think just in terms of scoring – um, explosions. Durant was way better at that than than Ingram, and and just the mentality is different. I think that that's just Durant's mentality, as well as being one of the best shot makers in the world. And Bi is definitely up there, but I, he nowhere near the the top. You know, he's on his way. He's super young, so he's there on his go. way. Just twenty three. That's it. Two questions for you. All right. Do you do you also occasionally look at Lonzo's UCLA stats and then compare them with his NBA stats and wonder what the heck happened? So, okay, I'll give you – I did that twice. Did it twice. Once midway through the second year and then once when he got traded. Because my thought process when seeing them was like, he's playing against college people. The NBA is going to snuff that out. Think about the Western Conference and all the guards you got to face on a daily basis. Like, in my mind, I was already making up reasons why this wouldn't work and hoping they'd surprise me, right? But on the other hand, watching back, it's like – I think you know when you see certain players that play in college – they're going to take those skills and, 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 and make them, you know, and, and transcend that into the NBA. And you see certain ones that just don't have it. And I think Lonzo, maybe it was confidence. I don't know what it was. He still had moments. But day one, remember game one where Pat Beverly was just all up in his face and right. nothing happened? I just was like, yep, okay, this is who we got. Like, we're not getting that 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 crazy. And even then, his shooting numbers were not great. So I can only imagine now much stiffer competition less faith in your shot making abilities and then you know worse but once like i said twice i got myself tricked in that and i was like what have we done i occasionally go on lonzo's wikipedia page and look at his stats <laughs> oh my goodness and 
Yeah, I think I'm going to make it a yearly thing now after every season. I'm just going to go back and look and make the comparisons and think to myself, oh, Lonzo. Every, you got to do every draft day. Right. Like, right. Gotta, like yeah. He, and, and on this day, four years ago, Lonzo Ball was drafted by the Lakers with averages of da-da-da-da-da. Now he's a 5.6 rebounds and uh, seven assists a game player. Yeah. Second question for you. All right. Do you – do you ever go look at the Pelicans roster and their salaries and think to yourself, hmm, what if Ingram, Lonzo, or Josh Hart become when they've become free agents, they decide to sign with the Lakers again? Have you I ever al- thought that? I always think about that and I it's usually just for Brandon and Ingram. I'm saying right. going, okay, if they clear the space, restrict the free agency, make a move, you know, make some pieces. Ingram didn't have a horrible say in LA. It was bad, but it could have been a lot worse. This could work out. He could be the savior. That he, you know, I, I've done that. Yes. Well, also looking at the Pelicans roster with a little bit of envy, like wow, they they could have a good squad. Like I once the the Pelicans got Zion, I wanted the Lakers to get Anthony Davis because okay, you guys got your player, that's good. We'll take your old one. We'll be fine. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to get rid of the one or two guys that I thought had the best talent, and that that was Ingram, which obviously New Orleans would have pursued. But yeah, I, I look at that from time to time, and I go. All right, just two more years, man. Or now it's going to be, what, three, four more years? He'll still be just 26, 27. Still mad young, still in his prime, very much the age of AD right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Ingram's probably going to get extended, though, because he's he was he's really good for them. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. We got we to gotta hope for uh, unrestricted free agency when he's, like, 27 or something. Because <laughs> that's what I was the saying. Game. You're, in yeah. the, you're in for the waiting game. Exactly. I'm not here for 2020. I'm here for 2024, you know? Where I can say, okay, Brandon Ingram, 27. He's been away from the Lakers for, you know, six years. But guess what? We can sign him back. I'm coming home. Do a Cleveland. Except we here's a Here's a fear of mine, though. You know how, you know how like, the whole, the whole legend of the Lakers is, like, there's this continuous line of amazing players that come through. Always. And then once they leave, we find someone else. And the Lakers have, like, this, like, amazing respect from the players because everybody grows up and they, they see either magic they see kobe Shaq, they see old kobe player whatever my fear is that after lebron leaves and maybe ad decides to go whenever that will be too i think we'll have a rough stretch again because i don't think among fans um Bill Simmons talks about this a lot where he thinks that young people, they don't really watch for teams anymore and they just watch the players. I think we'll have that problem in the future because in the future, when, whenever, whenever AD or LeBron, uh, if they leave for whatever reason, um, I don't think players will look at LA and think like, Oh, I want to be the the next legend. I want to help add to the Lakers franchise. I don't think, I don't think players at that time will have that, that mindset. I mean, yeah, I, I think that, and probably especially so when LeBron retires, because you're already going to have that, I want to say herd mentality in a negative way, but just following, you know, the player of the of the day or player of, you know, the, the most controversial free agency move or we're on Bradley Beal's side now, whatever the case may be, and you're right. I, I don't know if, I don't know, Simmons is interesting. Sometimes the stakes are just profound, and other times they're just, woo, you know, but like, yeah. In certain cases, I do feel that could be a thing. I think there's enough just team loyalty in general, though. 
that like like I was never a LeBron fan until he got older. And the fact that he joined my favorite team made it great. But if he had joined another team, I'd still be a Lakers fan. You know what I mean? I think there'll be enough people that are just still going to be with who they are. Like when Kevin Durant went to Golden State, you have Kevin Durant fans. But OKC fans didn't just come Warrior fans. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's a certain segment of that that will do that. And if he decides to go back, then, yeah, I think some of it will augment um, the team's, you know, interest level by proxy of there being a lot of fans of that player. But I think ultimately you still want to root for your team that you grew up with, or had family ties to, and you're hoping they get the players that you also like. Counterpoint to my claim. Okay. Uh, LeBron and AD, they stick it out for a really long time until LeBron retires. AD is in like his, his prime at that time when LeBron is, is retired. Or LeBron or AD's still like early 30s, I guess. LeBron's retired. Yeah. Um Lakers players view the Lakers as like a great organization with great people. They love Rob Palenka. They love Rich Paul. Um, clutch agency potentially becomes the feeder agency for Lakers, the Lakers organization. Just get signed by by Rich Paul, and you'll you'll get to play for the Lakers. Yep, you'll be there. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, listen, that that's that's a tantalizing counterpoint. Um, and you're right, having that transition of power, maybe by that point, another free agent comes, or you make another a smart trade, whatever the case may be, it, 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 it's, it's a thing that could happen. Yeah. All right. Finals. Uh, we don't have to talk too much about it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's just talk about the final, like the finals itself, the series. Uh, I think, I think, I don't think Jimmy Butler is like going to be the factor that pushes them over the top. But I do think I do think like they work well as a team. Like Hero, Robinson, uh Nunn, um, Dragic, if he decides to stay, if they run it back, I feel like they have good chances of making it out of the East. They're mm-hmm. solid contenders with the Bucks, the Raptors, um, the Nets, maybe if 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 that goes well. Um thoughts. Any thoughts? I think Miami was they were weird. Like, do do I think they'll be hard-pressed to, to replicate their performance? Yes. I think a lot of it comes down to whether or not there's fans because I think that teams like the Bucks, who I, I – they didn't deserve to win. They didn't win. didn't happen. But, like, teams like the Bucks who thrived off home court, I think could have made it a lot tougher for Miami. I think any home court – Miami was a very good team in general, a solid sum of their parts team. But I think they took perfect advantage of the opportunity presented to themselves and that maybe – those opportunities wouldn't be there again. You know, not like a team like the Bucks or Lakers who have a lot more opportunities available that they can make out of nothing because they're a good team. You know, you're struggling with adversity, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, you have LeBron, you have AD, or the Bucks have Giannis, or the Clippers have uh, way off P. I'm kidding. But you, you <laughs> have, um, you know, I think that Miami, while being a very good team, a lot rides down to the health of Jimmy Butler. Next season was injury prone this year. A lot of it goes down to Goran Dragic, we obviously saw him hampered. Uh, the continued development of Bam Adebayo, development of Tyler Hero. Can Duncan Robinson do anything else other than shoot threes? If not, that's fine. He's a very good three-point shooter, but you know, you get what I mean. And it's like, those are thoughts that I wonder about, especially when you do say that Brooklyn comes back next year with um, uh, Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant. And Milwaukee presumably reloads quickly because they want to bring in, you know, uh, they want to keep Giannis long-term. Um, Boston, does Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum make another leap? Toronto, 
re-signing Fred Van Beat, what do they do there? So I think there's three teams at minimum, maybe four Philadelphia's are a clear rung under to me that would challenge Miami for uh, playoff supremacy. And so I give them odds like 20% of reaching the finals again. Hmm. That's interesting. Because I don't think Miami ran away with it. You know what I mean? Like they were a good mm-hmm. solid team. And now you're going to have a, a few more good solid teams. And so now it's a crapshoot again for me. And it's not, you know, I have to split the difference between those five teams. So that's why I say 20%. Right. On the West, 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 um, Western Conference, do you think the Warriors are going to be good again? Uh, it's weird. On the one hand, I do. I say last time, the you know, I've heard this a lot before, and I kind of agree. The last time the Warriors were at good health, were at full health or at close to it, they were in the finals, right? Again, that was almost two years ago at this point. Uh, Steph Curry is a year older. Draymond Green is a year older and might have lost to Steph. Clay Thompson is a year older. Just came off a horrific injury. Um, they have the number two pick, so they could either draft that for like a, one of the better guys in this draft, which means I don't know, or they could trade it for another win-now play, which is great. But let's take all that aside. Their bench is not what it was a couple years ago when it's the strength of what they did. There's no Andre Godala right now. There's no um, – um, uh, forgetting the names as I'm saying them. Um, Sean Livingston, you know, guys like that. Um, Kevon Looney's still around, but the bench that you have now is going to be primarily comprised of, at least at the moment right now, of players who were with you on the worst team in basketball last year. So unless you're looking for another year of, of improvement, and obviously for like Eric Pascal I am and, and maybe George, um, Jordan Poole, I think. Yeah, but like in general – I don't know. I think they'll be in the thick of it. I don't see them running away with it either. You know what I mean? I look at the West as just like the East, except maybe a little more top heavy because like Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, and then maybe the Jazz and the Warriors in the same tier. And then after that, everything else filters down, in my opinion. Yeah. Steph, Clay, and Draymond, I think if you average their salaries, they're about like $30 million each, about. Mm-hmm. Steph is probably like higher, like 35 40 Yeah. But when you have 100 $105 million, to three players only it's gonna to be tough it's a lot it's a lot and you're right filling in those pieces around them even getting veteran guys and about guys they have to compete with the warriors and the clippers and the lakers and the bucks so you can't just cash in like you're gonna get like you could in years past not that they needed to but you don't have that now right i think there are a couple teams this season that like this would have been a great season to win just because the warriors were not not um available yeah, but the Lakers were just the only one that made it work, and surprisingly, the they were the only one out of the the three top contenders, uh, Clippers and Bucks, to make it to the finals, and the Heat just like outperformed themselves. So, yeah. one of your one of your first points today was like, um, you know, other people were saying that we we were. How did you say it? We were really spoiled. Like spoiled, we, yeah, spoiled, yeah, yeah. entitled to only have gone through you know, 10 losing years or whatever the case may be, six, really. Yeah. LeBron can't take us to the finals and also take your team to the finals, too, at the same time. <laughs> exactly. That's how I think how of it. Works. Exactly. I'm sorry that we don't all have LeBron. Um, and for goodness sakes, LeBron went to Cleveland. Like, Cleveland got something now. So, y'all can't talk. Miami, y'all got something. In fact, everyone who's had LeBron experience benefited from. So, so take those rosters off the bat. Sorry that Kevin Durant didn't work out for you, you know, Oklahoma City. Sorry about Russell. Boom, that takes another – like, you could go through each team, pick apart the arguments, and if it seems like, you know, Minnesota or Sacramento, I would say look at front office and leave us alone. <laughs> yeah. Almost every everything that you that the haters say against the Lakers winning, like, oh, the bubble was easier, 
Lamar. You can always counter. You can always counter that with like, okay, then how come your team didn't make it in if it was easier? Exactly. exactly. How come the Lakers were were the only ones left standing at the end? At the end of the day, why why did a certain team across the street from the Lakers were up three one? You know what I mean? Like oh, how did that not happen? You know what I mean? Like like y'all didn't take care of business. Y'all didn't do it in the regular season. They didn't do it in the postseason. So if you were in that position now, it's because you had to take care of business in the regular season. Lakers did. And then if you're complaining in the postseason, guess what? Yeah, definitely take care of the business in the postseason because Lakers did that too. So well, what leg do you have to stand on? I can't find one for you. <laughs> right. This was also the first season for me where I paid att- I had to pay attention for the whole entire time. Yeah. Because, the, you know, whenever the Lakers would lose, like when they're – there's like there's a point where the Lakers are officially out of playoff contention. Mm-hmm. And then it's about like – 20 games before that where Lakers fans already know the answer. So yeah, like we, we don't pay attention as much anymore. Yeah. So the, this time when I feel like I paid attention the whole entire year, it's interesting how the original claim was that the Clippers were deeper than the Lakers. They had more talented players. Yeah. All the it's interesting. It's interesting how reality matches up with what people think would, would happen before. Yep. Yeah. Newsflash buddy. That's what it was. Then you realize that all the depth you have can barely get on the floor, either because of coaching decisions or the fact that they weren't as good as you thought they were. <laughs> Reggie Jackson. And then you wonder <laughs> where you're at now, you know? Yeah. All right. Last last question for you, Corbin. All right. Um, Are we going to witness a three-peat from the Lakers? Four-peat? Five-peat? Wow. Last question. Last, last question. question, Corbin. You want to go hot take on it? I say, I say four people. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I want to say, I want to say, I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say we get back to back. I'm gonna say we have enough talent and that we're in position to get more talent for next year. That we could probably do that. After that, I think it just gets tough because then it's another year of development for the young teams that are already good. Now, will they be as good as the Lakers next year? No. But will they be the year after? Depends on what LeBron's decline looks like. Depends on the supporting cast of the Lakers. Then you have teams like that are not going anywhere right now, buying a, a men's trade like a Brooklyn or what knows what happens with Miami um, and, and and who knows what happens with Giannis. So I say two for – I say two. I feel very confident that there's a – I say I feel very confident there's a 60% chance that we will go and win back-to-back. After that, I feel like the NBA is on, is on the precipice of another Jurassic change. And at that point, who knows where we stand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like two as well, more than three. Also, mm. I, I would love to be able to to say that I witnessed like a, a two a two peat back uh, run, back to back run. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't see that much. You, not many teams out there that could say they had a back to back. Yep. Yep. And and it's it's rare. I mean, what, Lakers, the Heat, the Warriors, that's it. Yeah. You know, it's been ten years. All right. Thanks, Corbin, for uh, coming on. It was a pleasure having you on the Dope Post. Um, <laughs> a lot it. of SBC, a lot of SBC people. I, I like to bring on to the the show. So, uh, thanks. I appreciate that, man. Thank you for having me on. <laughs>